Welcome to episode three of We Eat CNY, the podcast. After quite the busy week, we had the privilege of being invited to attend the Fork and Cork wine pairing dinner at the Sherwood Inn by executive chef Dan Hudson. We had a fantastic time at the Sherwood and are grateful for the opportunity to go out to Skinny Atlas, New York, and see how their dedicated team puts on a great food event. During the event, Kate and I sat with Jen Hudson, Dan's wife, who was also on last week's episode with Mark Paolo, talking about her involvement with Farm to Fork 101. We thought it would be great to have both Dan and Jen on the podcast to talk more about how these West Coasters found their way to Syracuse, had their lives come together at Phoebe's, the trip to Australia that focused Dan's vision of what he wanted to be, how the Sherwood Inn has taken him to the next level, and close with where he pulls his inspiration from, his dedication to excellence at the Sherwood Inn, and what the future holds for the Hudsons. As always, thanks for listening and hope you enjoy. I want to start out a little bit with you. So let's talk about your um, beginnings with food and how it all started for you. So, you know, it's kind of funny. I feel like a lot of chefs have that as a story that they remember cooking with their grandparents or their mother. And I, I mean, I think everybody has some of that, but um, my family never wasn't, wasn't a huge cooking family. Um, certainly not my mother. Um, she won't be surprised to hear sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Mary. that, uh, that she wasn't the world's greatest cook, but, uh, you know, definitely, um, I've always wanted to be a chef. Uh, you know, my mother tells me that when I was a little kid that I wanted to be a chef. That's all I ever wanted to do. Um, say cooker guy. Yeah. I want to be a cooker, yeah, guy cooker guy when I was like a little kid. Yeah. And, um, I guess that worked out kind of, kind of <laughs> weird. Most people don't figure out what they want to be when they're a little kid, but I, you know, I did. So, you know, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents um, when I was a kid and we'd watch with my grandmother. I'd watch a lot of culinary, like cooking shows at the time, like Yan Can Cook and, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> Julia Child. And, uh, so what uh, is it, deep on a chicken and how fast? Yeah, like eight seconds eight or seconds. something like that. Yeah. Um, like Graham Kerr, the Galloping Gourmet. Mm -hmm. I don't know, a lot of people don't yeah. remember yeah. all these things. Yes. Yeah, PBS, like Rick Bayless used to have a show on yeah. PBS years ago, who's an excellent chef people don't know about. But yeah. um, So I always had this kind of fascination towards cooking. It's, you know, when you're a kid, it's like an science experiment. Right. You know, so my grandmother would let me, like, dump all the spices into a pot of water and, like, figure out what they, I don't, I don't know. We weren't doing anything. We were yeah. just messing around. So I kind of always liked doing that. Not a lot of real actual cooking. But more messing around with food. Just, just being in the happens. kitchen and like being excited about it and, and having somebody that was, you know, that's what we did. My grandmother wasn't going to take me to a baseball field or whatever. So we were at her house and played around in the kitchen. And that's what I wanted to do. So right. she was happy to for us to do it together. Mm -hmm. um, and then on the other side uh, with my, my father and my stepmother, um, my father is a uh, an avid... Uh, outdoorsman and um, hunter okay and my stepmother she is a professional chef that's what oh, she does yeah. professionally but she's also a great home cook and uh, has always had a huge garden um, butchers and prepares all the, the different wild game that my father uh, hunts and fishes for because they live in like northern california yeah so it's yeah. like west point so it's totally different yeah. than like what you think of California from being from New York. Yeah. So it's, um, it's like in the rural, rural Northern yeah. California. Um, and my father still lives there along with a bunch of my sisters. Yeah. Um, so we'd have these big elaborate 
home cooked meals. Um, and it was always, you know, you ate whatever you took kind of a thing, but there's a yeah. lot of interaction. So there's the garden. I would go hunting with my father. Um, and he, we've hunted everything that you can imagine. You know, mm-hmm. he goes elk hunting in Idaho, antelope, <clears throat> bear, bear. Yeah, yeah, bear, quail, doves, squirrel, anything. <laughs> anything you can take down. <laughs> Any, anything that's, you know, legal to hunt. Know, um, and then fishing, uh, you know, I went, like the first time I ever ate sushi was, uh, deep sea fishing off the co- coast of, um, Baja, California. Oh, wow. And I was like. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, it wasn't, it's not a food memory though. It's a fishing memory, Yeah. but it is a food memory, right. you know? So kind of always been interested in it. And in some way it's been around, although no one in my family views, like views themselves as like, like as a foodie or as like an exotic eater, but like here we are eating bear, Yeah. you know, but that's so, because that's what that's was not day, yeah. you know, it's not farm to table, it's woods or ocean yeah. to table. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Table. Yeah. Um, you know, and then beyond that, I just, I started working in a restaurant when I was 14 or yeah, 14 or 15, I worked at McDonald's for mm. half a year. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I got a, my buddy, Chuck, uh, Bronzewski, who's the best man at my wedding, you know, yeah. probably my best friend. He was washing dishes at Johnny's Pier 31, which is on the North shore or the South shore of Oneida Lake, mm-hmm. um, pretty close to Sylvan beach. They wanted to make him a fry cook, but he basically had to find his own replacement so <laughs> tricked me into coming up and washing dishes. Yeah. What is it that John always used to say? There's inside and out. Like, what is it? The oh, there's t- there's two sides of a pan, an inside and outside. But mm-hmm. you gotta wash them both. Yeah. You know, things like that. Yeah. Johnny's um, was this kind of like old, and it's still there, and it still is the same way. It's just this old school, like rough and tumble um, place, and very much you know, the old way that kitchens were run, you know, you're, you're getting yelled at, you're getting, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, um, a, a group of guys that are lawless, you know, it's right. kind of that it's, it's not about technique. It's not even really about food. It's about, um, I don't know. It's hard to getting explain. It it's like, in, in, in comrade, like there's a lot of camaraderie. I mean, if you had a dispute, you had a fight right. and that was that, and that was mm-hmm. part of it, you know, um, yeah, if you, out and go on your day. right. If, uh, you know, everybody would come to, come to work, show up to work together and leave together. We'd all go out to the same parties together. Like it was yeah. very much, you know. So There's like 80 people in our high school. It was a brotherhood. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, exactly. Like, a brotherhood. And, and very much, uh, you know, when you're, I, I started working there when I was like 15, 16, 17. Like I bought my first car off of a, a, one of the other cooks. Like, but you know, very much like we did everything together. And pretty much all those guys, none of them work in restaurants now. Except for Chuck. Chuck, runs Johnny's. Chuck still He's the works. Chef at he runs it, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but uh, any anybody else that you know we were working with, they, none of them. They worked in restaurants because it was like a high school job. And when I was working there, I like swore that I wouldn't <laughs> do it. Like that. That's not what I wanted to do. Um, but it just made sense. Was there a point when you were at Johnny's that you know, with grandma and with mom and with dad and with your mom that you wanted to be in the kitchen? That you were now in the kitchen at Johnny's, and you said, "I don't want to do this." Or do, no. was that calling still there for well, you? The I think it's it just like, like yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was washing dishes. I was in high school, and I think it was just at the time I was going to go. You know, I was pretty sure I was going to go to SU, um, or you know, it's time. Like, what are you going to do with your life? Kind sure. of a thing. Right. And it's not. 
you know, working in a kitchen isn't necessarily what most people want to do with the rest of their life. Like it's a pretty bad decision, actually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> really, you know, uh, not that I don't want to encourage people to get into the industry, but, you know, even then when I was a kid, I was like, I don't know, there's a lot of things that I could do. Mm -hmm. uh, this isn't what I want to do forever because, I don't know, it just, it wasn't, but I never said that to anybody. Right. I never said that this is what I wanted to do either. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up working here. Which right, we're at Phoebe's. We're at Dan's Phoebe's. mom was a regular here. <laughs> yeah, so uh, how so yeah. how I got the job here was um, my mother was a regular. Because and, she worked at Syracuse University. Right, and she bought a house on SU Hill, <laughs> and I was a senior in high school, so I couldn't work out there anymore. So I needed to get a job, but I didn't know anybody in Syracuse. So she talked to the manager at the time, mm -hmm. um, and they agreed to to give me a. A dishwashing position, and uh, I started working here as a dishwasher. I needed a job. It was close to where I was now living. You know, we lived right up on Lancaster Ave. So I started washing dishes here, and, you know, that's kind of the story about how I got into fees. How did you go from um, being in California with um, your parents and, and mom? How was that? All of a sudden, now you're on the East Coast. Uh, so, um, when I was I was in seventh grade, my mother we were decided that she didn't want to live in California anymore. So right. she applied to a bunch of jobs all over the country, and one of them was Syracuse University, and she got a job at the university. And her goal was for us to be me and my sister Amanda um, to be able to have a college education of which there was no way she was going to be able to afford to provide us one financially. I had the option to stay in California with my father or uh, move with her. And, you know, my sister and I both chose to move with her for no, I, you know, looking back on it, I mean, we, we lived with her, so we just continued to live with my mother. Mm -hmm. um, my father was very supportive about the whole thing. He saw that as an opportunity and we both, my sister and I both did attend and graduate from Syracuse University, so it's kind of yeah. it worked yeah. out. You know, it's kind of, it was a long shot for my mom, but it, mm -hmm. it really did work out um, for both of us to get to go to school. Right. For your mom, um, she was vegetarian, right? So that there's the weirdest story. Yeah, there's a there's a brief period of time. I don't want to get into how she stopped being a vegetarian. No. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> There was a brief, there was, there was a several year, probably five or six year period where she was a vegetarian. Um, uh, her husband at the time was vegan. She became a vegetarian as part of the, I don't know the parameters of it, yeah. but, um, and she was vegan for a little while as well, but never, um, never pressured me to, to mm -hmm. do it. I mean, I think when I was like 15 or 16, I was vegetarian for like six months, just, yeah. You know, that's the house that you live in. You try things, you know, you participate right. in it. Just the food that was handed to you right. at the time. Um, did, did that have any influences either at that point in your life about being a chef or your culinary career path? Or does it have any influences now when you <sighs> think about creating a menu item to be cognizant in this um, you know, world that we're currently in with people that have food allergies or sensitivities that yeah, dietary have restrictions or whatever? Sure. Um, you know, I think that um, yes and no, you know, at an early age or at a young age, while, you know, my mother's vegetarian, it certainly opened up a, a whole bunch of ingredients that I wouldn't have otherwise been exposed to. Just simple things like tofu, mm -hmm. you know, 20 years ago, 
people didn't buy them, eat them, know what, eat, buy it, eat it, know what it was. Um, right. So a lot of Asian ingredients, um, you know, a lot of different, um, you know, trying different things, seeing different things, a lot of different vegetables that I got exposed to at an early age that are probably pretty commonplace now. But right. for a, you know, a 15 or 16 year old to be exposed to things, you know, those ingredients maybe gave me a little bit more interest. And I was always curious about it. I always, you know, tried everything and, and, and of that nature. Um, do I think that that plays a role in, in how I think about menus now? I don't think a ton. Um, I think it makes you more understanding when somebody does have a dietary restriction. Like I think that some chefs kind of like push it off and they're yeah, like, but, oh, that's you a choice, know. you know, but he's like more. But that's also, I think that's also a, um, a consequence of, having the desire to be the best at what, what I do. I mean, any chef that you talk, Sarah Hassler, or, you know, right. Mike Brown or any of these people that you talk to are going to have that, that same feeling that they want to accommodate people because yeah. they're, they're chefs, but they're part of the hospitality industry. And it's all about accommodating your guests and making them feel like they're not a burden, you know? So, you know, I think in a minor way, it gave me like a, a little bit of an insight into a culture when I was young, that I probably didn't understand that I was absorbing that. Um, but as far as today goes, I think if you're going to be a good chef, you have to yeah. understand it on some level, yeah. anyway, regardless of your background. Yeah. So. so Phoebe's is kind of the way that the two of you and your stories collide <laughs> and then and then go back out. Yeah. So Jen, um, before we get to Phoebe's, that has a big impact on where the story for the both of you goes in the future. I want to talk a little bit about because you're from Hawaii. Well, so and how your my family's from Hawaii. Okay, I'm not technically from Hawaii, and really, my family's from Okinawa. Okay, um, my family, my grandmother and her uh, immediate family moved to Hawaii um, because my great uncle uh, was the first Japanese wrestler in the United States. Wow! Um, so he got a contract, and then they moved here. Mm -hmm. um, well, to Hawaii. And, um, so we sort of, because we're not really Japanese, we're Okinawan. It's like a weird, so we're like island people. But so we're like very influenced by like Hawaiian culture because it's such a melting pot of Asian ethnicities. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of my family still lives in Hawaii. Um, and we actually just went there. Um, Dan got to go for the first time in August. So... You're more of an island yeah, culture. Yeah, so we're, like, island culture, and, like, so the foods are a little bit different because it's, like, sort of Chinese and sort of Japanese and sort of, like, Hawaiian. Um, so it's kind of neat. So, but my mother, my family moved back and forth from the East Coast to Hawaii. Um, so my mother grew up both places. So she went to school in Newark, New York, which is, like, kind of by Rochester. Oh, okay. And uh, that's where she went to high school. But um, she was the youngest in her family. She just told her brothers. Um, and my grandmother was a pharmacist, so she worked a lot. So my mom was kind of in charge of cooking. Um, and she had a lot of little old lady Italian neighbors who mm -hmm. taught her how to, like, really cook Italian. So she grew up on a sugarcane farm in Hawaii. Oh. Um, and uh, she uh, was a translator in World War II. Mm -hmm. uh, she was in the army, but so, so um, she works on a sugarcane factory, and that's yeah. in a way yeah, plantation. 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 Yep. and you know another piece of kind of a food, an overarching food system, yeah. and in Hawaii, where I'm sure that that uh, is very prevalent in the cooking and food industry right. out there, was her 
being on sugarcane plantation and uh, being out there, cuisine very different from what you'd have on the East Coast. Um, that- it's more minimal. It's like uh, things are kept uh, differently so that they are preserved longer. So like uh, spam was always really big because of the military bases. Mm-hmm. Um, so spam gets used in Hawaiian cooking like a weird amount, and I don't like it. So it's like, <laughs> I know, it's weird. Um, so I always, I'm like the jerk that doesn't eat it, like when we go places, but like uh, a lot of like soups and like salmon and musubi, which is like a rice sandwich thing that's got like nori around it. Um, so like uh, my family used to make uh, sushi, but it wasn't like real sushi. It was like spam, like eggs <laughs> um, and, uh, or like crab salad and stuff like that. And then there's this thing called plate lunch where it's like, um, Rice and like teriyaki and uh, macaroni salad and coleslaw. It's like the weirdest, but yeah. that's like what we eat when we yeah, go there. Like Hawaiian garbage that. plate. Yeah, yeah. 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 So what I was thinking of is the melting pot of everything yeah. tossed yeah. yeah. uh, And like, um, my family really likes. My mom makes these like pork buns that are like mamafuku kind of. Um, and there's a lot of cheating that happens where like we make things with convenience items. Yeah, because like there's a weird. Like, because back when Hawaii, like, in, like, the 70s and 80s, you couldn't get anything there. And mm-hmm. if you did, you had to wait. So there was a lot of, like, weird mixing of, like, fresh products and then, like, very preserved canned meats and stuff because yeah. they didn't get it. Like, they couldn't have things. There wasn't a huge farming industry well, in Hawaii. There was, but it some. was exported. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. for them. It was for everyone else. And, and it's specific. You yeah. Know, they're not growing like pineapple onions and potatoes. And potatoes. Right. Yeah. It's tropical, you know. Right. So like you can eat taro. Right. You know, which Boy. is and like coconut and like but the farmers markets there are crazy. We went to yeah. a bunch of them when we were there and it's like dragon fruits, like humongous dragon fruits and stuff and it's yeah, like, really cool stuff. Yeah, nothing that you'd experience on the right. East Coast because Yeah. There's no and it's like fifty Honestly. cents, you know. It's yeah. like <laughs> nothing. But um So you you mentioned that you were back and forth from yeah. Hawaii to the East Coast. When was the planting two feet and staying on the East Coast for you? Was that in the Syracuse area? So my father is from Bologna, which is by Penyan, which is sort of like where Sarah's from. Sarah Hassler yep. from the Stoop. Um so that's where my dad grew up. Um, and then when him and my mom met, um, at quarter pizza night at the mm-hmm. Tom Jones in lines, <laughs> um, they, uh, sort of decided to stay here. My father worked at Miller. Um, so when he bought a house, when he was like 19 with all of his friends, they bought a house in Baldwinsville because it's where all the highways merge. Yeah. So he was like, you can kind of get anywhere in 30 minutes from Baldwinsville. So it was just like kind of a natural, uh, place for them. And then uh, my parents got married, and we grew up here. Um, and then we like the change of seasons, too. Yeah. So Dan and I like to travel, but we always end up, like, we like being here. Yeah, I don't think that the, the people in the area understand how important the change of season is right. for the food industry. To be able to have things that aren't stagnant, I'm sure that exactly. in Hawaii you mentioned um, farmers markets where it was probably a lot of the same stuff because yeah. you have that tropical climate all the time. But here, having four different seasons, you're getting right. cycles of food that comes in and out of season to make yeah. it fresh. And it's very well rounded here. I feel like um, for the most part, 
um, you can get more things, more of a variety of things. Yeah, I mean, I like yeah. Syracuse. Um, we wouldn't live here if we didn't like it. Right. It's that simple. You know, people people overcomplicate like things. Yeah. It's, if you don't like living somewhere, then move. I mean, that's right. and I. The reason why I feel that way, and I and I truly believe that, yeah. is because like my mother didn't want to live in, in you know Northern California anymore, so she moved. My sister, mm-hmm. who moved with us, didn't want to live in Syracuse anymore, so she moved to Alabama. Like that's just yeah. if you don't want to be somewhere, just go. it's not that hard. Yeah, you know, people yeah. people overcomplicate things. You you go do what you want to do. And then you figure it out as you're doing it. Probably much like what you're doing. Right? Yeah, right. What we're doing right here. Right? <laughs> well, very much. We like Syracuse also because like there's a lot of variety and things that there are to see. Like you can be in the city, or you can like go drive 20 minutes and see a waterfall. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of right. variance in things you're allowed to experience at a time. So you know, the day trip thing is cool. So let's <laughs> let's talk about Phoebe's, which is basically the epicenter of the Hudson story because you were working at Phoebe's um, for the, the dishwashing position while you yep. were at yeah, Syracuse. Yeah, I didn't talk about you... how I worked in a restaurant at all. Right. Sorry. So I, I, was, I was working here as a dishwasher. Um, graduated from high school. Uh, decided to stay living on SU Hill. Um, got in a part with my buddies. Started working full-time. Um, and loved it, you know, started working full time, kind of slowly moved up. Pretty much this industry is if you, whatever you put into it, you're going to get out of it. So as much effort as you put in is, is where you're going to go with it. There's, you know, culinary schools, there's, there's, you know, stages and training and all this stuff that you can do. But at the end of the day, if you want to do this and you want to do it at a high level, it just comes down to time and energy. That's mm-hmm. it. Um, you have to be talented at it, but it's that's you work on that. You get better. I'm a better cook than I was a year ago, and uh, at that point, I was a better cook than I was a year before. Then it's all about putting your your effort into it, and thinking about it, and, and and really caring about it. So, I took a year off between high school and college. Um, I'd been accepted to Syracuse University because my mother. Um, it was it was an opportunity for me to go to college for free. I would have gone to culinary school if it wasn't for that opportunity, mm-hmm. but it didn't make sense to me to, to go to culinary school and spend all this money where I had this opportunity to, to go to school at Syracuse University for nothing. And he went for hospitality management. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that was the other big factor was that they had a hospitality manager. They had a, they had a program that was within what I wanted to do mm-hmm. and actually ended up being probably one of the best decisions of my entire life yeah. because if you put my resume next to any other chef in Syracuse or the immediate area and and 90% of the chefs in the country, really a huge differentiation is that I went to school for management and not culinary. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, it good, bad or indifferent, it stands out. Yeah. Um, so I was working here, uh, taking a year off, learning how to cook, you know, you know, putting everything I had into it um, and, you know, having fun being like a, an 18 year old guy living on his own, you know, with his buddies and it was a lot of fun. And then school started and, you know, I started, I started the program out and I was cooking at that point in time, Chris Coons did a, a, a 
become a partner at Phoebe's mm -hmm. and he ended up being um, my mentor in many ways. Uh, he doesn't work, uh, we, we don't work together anymore, but he's still a person that I look to and call on and we talk yeah. quite often, you know, once a month, if not more, um, as, as friends and colleagues and also as him as like, you know, personal mentor for me. So, right. um, you know, a great relationship, uh, came out of, of me working at Phoebe's with Chris Coons. It's been, you know, a, over a decade in the making. Right. Um, and then at some point in time, well, so, Jen started working here. Well, so, <laughs> so I started working at restaurants when I was like 14, 15. Mm -hmm. Um, and I worked at a place called Pizza Man in Baldensville. Uh, it's owned by the Delia family. Uh, they're from Salve. And, uh, I just like was friends with the kids. So it was like, I got my working papers and they were hiring. So I just like went in and I was the only girl that worked there. It was really weird. It was like, they were like, Oh honey, you can answer the phones, you know? So I started out answering the phones and washing dishes and doing stuff like that. And then somebody was late or something and I had to make a pizza and they were like, oh, you're good at that. You can do that now. And it was like, <laughs> so I just like made all the pizzas and I got good at doing it fast and whatever. And then, um, you know, I was making like what, 5 15 an hour, yeah. I think, in like 1998. So uh, uh, then Blue Water opened in Baldensville. Um, it's in the location that um, Muddy Waters is in now. Okay. Um, and uh, I walked in there one day. I had a couple friends that worked there. And uh, I applied to be a hostess. And Chad Ryan uh, was the manager. Um, he was, like, fixing something. And I didn't know he was the manager. I just, like, walked in. I was like, hey, I was wondering if I could apply, you know. And he's like, yeah, you'll do. You can come in tomorrow. And I was like, all right, cool, thanks. And I just, like, never filled out paperwork or anything. I just worked there. A little bit different from um, your music. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and as, a, as a side note on that, Chad is the... I guess, GM of the Blue Water yeah. in Skinny Atlas, which mm -hmm. is affiliated with the Sherwood Inn right. and also Phoebe's. Yeah. yeah. And um, also his girlfriend is the manager at Phoebe's. So, like, our restaurant experience is very, like, all of our friends, like, mingled in between all of the restaurants all of the time. Yeah. So, it's, like, oh, strange. Like, you always talk about, like, food webs. Mm -hmm. But, like, our food web is, like, people. Yeah. So it was like we would work at different places and meet people and then they would marry like our friends' brothers. It was like really weird. So <laughs> like you'd meet people at different places and then they'd, they'd all merge together. Um, but uh, yeah, so I started working at Blue Water when I was like 17 and I worked there for a couple of years. Um, I was like the mean hostess. Um, <laughs> I used to get in trouble all the time because like I could like control where everybody sat or whatever. And I would get in trouble because I would start to get yelled at when we would have a wait. And I would just tell the people, I was like, you know, I'm really sorry. I was like, I have a table over here that's not near the water. The food literally tastes the same no matter where it is you're sitting. And I would get in so much trouble. They'd be like, you have to go home. Like, you can't talk to people like that. I was like, okay, so sorry, Chad. Um, but uh, it was like summer camp. It was like my favorite job I ever had. It was mm -hmm. like, you know, water balloon fights and left-handed spatulas and, you know, elbow grease and saran wrapping cars. Right. And, a lot of, yeah. of harmless pranks. Chad is – I, I saw boss. Chad yesterday. <laughs> yeah. um, I saw Chad yesterday in the parking lot of the strawberries getting bread from Patisserie, and he's 
yeah, a, a great guy, and he really understands the 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 hospitality side of things, but also yeah. making the job fun. A lot of times doing this, it's like not you're not doing fun stuff all the time. It's right. not all great interviews and uh, you know and wine dinners. There's a lot yeah. of it that's you know uh, cleaning and organizing and, and schlepping just. You right. know, thousands of pounds of product. Uh, and he was like the first person that ever taught me, like, I don't need you to be here. I'll do your job. Like, he could, he would do everything. Mm-hmm. He'd be like, oh, a dishwasher called in. I'm washing dishes. He'd put a t shirt on and he'd be soaked. Yeah. Right. And, but he was the gym general manager. Yeah. And it was like, what, growing up in like a restaurant industry where that's your meant, like your example mm-hmm. is like incredible because it's like, yeah, why wouldn't you? You know, like why, you know, you take off your dress shirt and you start cleaning. Like, yeah, of course it's, you do. you're running it as right. a general manager yes. as if you own the place to oh, make yeah. sure that yeah. everything from the moment mm-hmm. somebody's walking in the door to the moment they leave. Right. And if you know, asked anybody in Blue Water or anybody in Baldwinsville that was a regular of Blue Water, who owned Blue Water, they would say Chad Yeah, right. they thought it was And yeah. he didn't know him totally at all. Know. I mean, not even, you know, he, he worked for... Dan yeah, Reardon and, and, uh, and yeah, Bill Everhart, um, yeah. you know, and, and he still works with them today. Uh, but yeah, he always made it like a game. It was like, oh, you know, there'd be a kid and he'd be mad. He was washing dishes and oh, I've been a dishwasher forever and ever. And he'd be like, well, I bet I can do it faster than you. If I win, you say dishwasher. And it was like, just so much fun, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, it was just like the best, like first restaurant. So anyways, you ended but up. yeah, so then so they you, would, get, you come from Blue Water over to Phoebe's. So they would uh, trade waitresses because the Blue Water was busy in the summertime and Phoebe's was busy in the wintertime mm-hmm. um, because of Syracuse stage and the students. Um, so I finally got old enough that I was like one of the girls they decided they were going to trade. Um, so Chad, there was like a whole week of what was like my last week at Blue Water for the season. And he was like, oh, you better watch out for Dan, you know. He likes little what Mexican Eskimos <laughs> like you, and I was like, oh, ha, 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 you know. And um, this is literally what he said. Um, and I go, uh, you can leave that part. You can, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, seal coveries, um, yeah, Charlie. Um, so uh, he would say that, and I thought he was talking about somebody else. There was this older guy, Dan Barr, who had been the chef here, and he would go back and forth. But he was, like, older and married, so he yeah. kept saying, oh, watch out for Dan. And Dan, at that part, Dan Barr was gone. He's a, right. He works for Mainz now. Well, he was still, he was he was still here at the time when I first started here. Right. But he was just lying cooking. Right. And um, so I was just like, oh, that's so creepy that he would say that, you know. And then uh, I got here, and I met him, and I didn't really think much of it. You know, it was like, oh, he's nice, like, whatever. And then um, they had me bartending, and... His mom was always here, so we never checked his ID. Um, yeah. Because his mommy was sitting with him. <laughs> yeah, so we just thought he was 21. And, like, you don't, I, you know, we all work together. I was 21, so mm-hmm. uh, I was serving him. And then he would ID everyone. So yeah. like, it was really funny. Um, they used to have me ID, so I was, like, 20, yeah. 19, 20 years old. And they would have me check IDs at the bar or at the door. Yeah. Not smart. No, not smart. <laughs> um, and then there was this guy who, like, was the main bartender here, Lee Tomkos, mm-hmm. who works at Driver's Village now. Uh, he sells Toyotas, right? Yeah. And uh, he was, like, the surly, you know, dad figure bartender. 
Um, and he, he was bartended always, here for twenty years. For twenty years, wow. it was amazing. Yeah. He came. They always just say he came with the place, <laughs> and uh, he would always be like, "Why don't you go on a date with Dan?" You know. And I was like, "Oh, he has a girlfriend." And then uh, we're in the parlor right now, Phoebe's, and there was uh, they used to do poker night in here, mm-hmm. and uh, Dan was playing poker with all the guys from Syracuse Stage. Uh, Brian Crowdy and Sam Sheehan and all those guys. <laughs> and he was winning, but all the girls were leaving to go sing karaoke at Blue Water for their last night. And he lost on purpose to come with us. And, uh... Hopeless romance. Yeah, Sounds exactly. Like, like to not sing soul. That's Brian Crowdy right That's there. That's Brian Crowdy. Good morning is his catchphrase. <laughs> no matter what time of day. Um, so, yeah, he lost a hand of poker to come sing karaoke. And we all went out. And uh, then everybody walked to my parents' house because it's like they had a pool and it was like right by Blue Water. And uh, he told me that he loved me the first day. Yeah. You could probably cut that out though. He probably doesn't love people. No, we're definitely leaving that. Um, <laughs> and then I thought it was weird because I thought he had a girlfriend. And then. Uh, but I didn't. So, you, how long were you guys at Phoebe's together? Because that was. Oh, when you were so 20, that's a very company. Yeah, so, so complicated. yeah, so I was I was right? twenty years old, and I had before I had, um, met Jen, um, I decided that I was going to do a semester abroad, mm-hmm. and but it was kind of weird because I was a sophomore, and yep. most people do their semester abroad uh, their their junior mm-hmm. year, right? That's pretty common. But I decided to do it my sophomore year, which again I think ended up being a really good decision because then when I came back, it's like it didn't make my like my junior year was crazy, right? So my senior year was easy, you know. Um, so and that was to Australia, right? So I went to Australia, um, Brisbane, Australia, which was a great experience. Really had nothing to do with food. No. Um, uh, it's, it had to do with drinks. The, yeah, a lot of drinks. Yeah. Um, it was. It's the only time. <laughs> Research or yeah. no. uh, <laughs> So it's yeah. the only time in my, uh, you know, adult life that I didn't have a job. Yeah. Four or five mm-hmm. months, and I went, you know, to be a student and to kind of live the college life. I never really did that because I grew up on SU Hill, so mm-hmm. I was working full time when I was a freshman and a sophomore. Um, and then on my, in my sophomore year when I went, I really was just at college. Yeah, so like we little, both worked full-time the whole time we were in school. Right. Mm-hmm. So Neither one of us ever really, like, did college, right? It was the one, <laughs> it was the one semester where I really just um, was a student. Yeah. Um, so really didn't have much to do with food or cooking. I met some really great people. Um, but Jen and I had, like, kind of started dating right. as I was set to go to Australia for four months. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, my time there kind of really solidified, I think, that I wanted to be in a relationship with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you know, it made it more than just like a, a college, you know, fling or whatever. It was yeah. like, I missed her. We, you know, it was... Buying there calling wasn't, cards. Yeah, buying calling cards, calling yeah. a cell phone. Like, there was no, you know, I didn't have an international phone. There, yeah. Facebook barely right. existed. We had to sign up to for Facebook to talk to each other. Right, yeah. a lot of emailing yeah. and stuff like that. So it was it was interesting to to 
we're probably like the last people in the world that did that. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, it's, it's funny now because yeah. I'm 37 and that was probably around that time where you had to have a college email address yeah, yeah, to exactly. sign up for Facebook. Right. And yeah. it, you know, it wasn't. And it was actually uh, the colleges that I went to when I was a freshman didn't have Facebook. You had right. to go to certain colleges. You had to yeah, have so it was many. Very right. selective. And it was a big thing yeah. when your college got Facebook yeah. and it went viral through there. But did, while you were in Australia, did, obviously you said it wasn't for food, it wasn't for beverage that you went to Australia, but did you have some of that rub off on you uh, while you were there? I mean, I think because it's always been something that I've been interested in, I sought it out. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I think more you learned a lot about business, um, because you lived with Mitchell. Yeah. So I, so in going to Australia for a semester abroad, Syracuse University does this completely insane thing <laughs> where, insane. where um, you, I had two options. I could, it was a, it's a tuition exchange program, right? So mm -hmm. I went there as part of, um, <laughs> as part of, uh, as a student of Syracuse University. Yeah. So I didn't have to pay for tuition. Well, if I wanted to get a dorm and live in a dorm, then I would have had to pay to live in the dorm, which is, as everybody knows, exorbitantly expensive. Yeah. And I had, I'd never had lived in a dorm. I didn't want to do that. So my only other option was obviously to get an apartment. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that you can't get an apartment in Syracuse, New York for four and a half, five months yeah. in Brisbane, Australia. So they're just like, just go and just figure it out when you get there. <laughs> Stay in a hostel, go work. So we stayed can. in a hostel. So on my way there, I they gave me they gave me a list of all the students that were um, going to Brisbane, Australia, from Syracuse University, um, at that time, and the list was one person, uh, Sultana Strabenis, <laughs> and so we met. Like my, I, I don't know if we met on the flight there. I can't remember if it was like we met on the flight there. Or we met like the first or second day. We we met up, and we were like, all right, we're gonna find a place to live. And she's from Rochester, New York. She's a pharmacist now. Um, Sultan is one of my favorite people. I haven't seen her in years, but um, she's she's awesome. And. Uh, so we got there and I was like, all right, here's the deal. I, I had taken out several student loans. So I had more, I had more money than her. Mm -hmm. And basically it was like, we're going to find you an apartment first. And then we're, and then I'll find an apartment. Like, we'll just, we'll yeah. figure it out because it'll be easier to find, you know, a single, we didn't want, we didn't, we obviously weren't going to share a room. We didn't want to like, we right. barely knew each other. We literally just met, mm -hmm. but we figured if we had teamed up, it'd be a little less stressful. Because at least you have somebody that's like, you know, there with you. So we looked at a couple places and nothing, it didn't fit for whatever reason. And then we met uh, Jenny and Mitchell Burnoff, who own this house. They weren't married yet. Um, they've since gotten married, had several kids. Um, <laughs> and uh, so we go to their place and it's perfect. One bedroom, Sultana set. Yeah. And then there's this like mud room in the back and they're like, well, what are you, what are you going to do? And yeah. I was like, I'm going to find a place. And they're like, well, we have this other room and, <laughs> room. you know, and it's like, there's a bed in there or whatever. And it was like this, like literally this mud room yeah. in the back of the house. And I was like, I mean, I'll, I'll 
I'll stay there until I find a place, yeah. you know, to get out of the hostel that we were staying in or whatever. And, uh, I mean, I just, that's where I ended up living and it was perfect. I mean, it was great. It's all I needed was a room. Um, but Mitchell's this real, I don't even really know. It's a real it estate like his, guy. His father owned like strip malls or something. Yeah. Um, and developed, but he was like 30 or something. Yeah. He's right? a young guy. He's, he's really a young happy. guy. And, uh, he drove a, a little Saab, like nine eleven. Tried to teach me how to drive stick shift on the like reverse, which I don't know if you've ever tried to drive stick on in a foreign country. Yeah, you can drive yeah. stick regular if you yeah. want. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's basically impossible. Yeah, he's a great guy, and and um, we would go. We like he would. He knew I liked to cook, so we we'd go to the grocery store and get me to buy all this stuff, or he'd buy it all, and we'd cook and and do cookouts and. We go. To, we went to great restaurants together. Yeah. I turned twenty one in Australia, which is terrible because the drinking age <laughs> no is eighteen. No one cares. Yeah. <laughs> 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 birthday you've ever had. But instead of instead of going out and getting drunk, yeah. he took us to like some on this river cruise, which Brisbane is like the river city. It's an amazing city if you yeah. ever go to Australia. Um, and we went to a great dinner. I can't remember the place, but you know. So instead of going out and just like getting wasted on my twenty first birthday, which we went to, by the way he did, because I got the phone. Oh call yeah, we like still did that, but it was a <laughs> it was Facebook message in the morning. Yeah, no, no, phone call middle of class. It was like I don't know, like ten in the morning here. It's like oh, so. Um, Mitchell, probably the best, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was from a guy that probably never worked a day in his life in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, you know, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to be a chef. And he's like, well, why aren't you a chef right now then? Like, what are you doing here? Like, if you want to be a chef, go home and be a chef. Mm-hmm. If you want to own a restaurant, go home and open a restaurant, which is not advice that I've taken thus far. No. Yeah. But the sentiment of it is is good. If, if there's something that you want to do, then work towards it. Don't, don't hide behind... Um, you know, I don't have enough experience or right now is not the right time or whatever. Just, right. and it was, you know, really, I was, you know, 21 years old, really good advice is, you know, don't live in the past, live, live in the Which now, was great look to for the future. Because he got this advice and I wasn't there and his mother had already asked me to move in to their house while he was gone. Cause I had a weird roommate situation. Um, and then he got back and he was like, yeah. Perfect. Live with us. Life is short. And it was like he had this like whole like outlook on it that worked out really well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that advice was really good. Yeah. So as far as like the culinary aspect of Australia, um, you know, I don't career wise. I mean, I didn't work. I didn't do anything. Right. But anytime you travel, mm-hmm. you know, or anytime I travel anyways, that's that's what I gravitate to towards mm-hmm. is that's what I want to spend my money on. That's what yeah. I spend my time doing is, is food. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously there were some, some great fun times cooking, um, with friends, um, learning about, you know, different cultures and, and, right. you know, what, what different people do. You know, we I went to Fiji, uh, when I was For in Australia was on spring break yeah. and we had, you know, these really great, like curry goat, um, cause these island cultures are all, they've been. Like, you know, taken over by so many different, you know, yeah. whatever, other cultures. That That's what we talked curries. about with Sarah, too, is yeah. that cultures in other countries are very different from the United States because everything that they do 
it's fresh. It's what you raise. It's what you grow. Right. And that's quote unquote farm to table versus right. what we have in the United States where there's larger conglomerates that are shipping food across the country. You know, your lettuce right. that you're across eating the world. Like, yeah, right. your lettuce that you're eating from Wegmans is grown in California for the majority of the time. It's not in a valley somewhere. Right. It's not grown in Baldwinsville or Tully or wherever it might be. Right. It's it's not there. So Right. So I mean that that traveling that I've done, which I would want to do a ton more of, oh, I yeah. think is more of a cultural, like eye-opening thing when it comes to food. And so many, so many cultures are, are you know, food is so important mm-hmm. uh, in those cultures that that ends up being what you learn about. Yeah. Well, that's like the basis of culture is like the struggle to find food and right. to that's like why settle we, in a place. Yeah, that's why we have right. society, Cult- right? civilization. I mean, then I'm general, sure right? that there are people that will disagree with that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fun, fun. Um, so it seems like Australia itself maybe wasn't the Im- the culinary influence on you, but it was the mindset influence on you that when you got back from Australia, that was the tipping point for right. you to say, here's what I learned. So when I got back from Australia, I came back to work at Phoebe's. Right. Um, I came back to work at Phoebe's and uh, I actually worked at the Blue Water for the summer. Yeah. And then I, and then I started working at Phoebe's. And within uh, six months of that, I had... Well, Jeff Sanford started work. So Jeff Sanford came and was the, um, the chef de cuisine um, under Chris Coons. Um, and he had worked uh, at Arid Evans. Well, at um, Kettle Lakes, actually. Kettle Lakes. For Brian Shore, mm-hmm. who's a, a very prominent chef at the time in the Syracuse area. And he, I guess Jeff had saw something in me and he knew that Brian yeah. was looking for somebody to kind of come up underneath him. And he got me an interview with Brian Shore. And I think if it wasn't for the, the experience, of all of those right. Things. If it wasn't, if it wasn't for the Australia experience and kind of the advice that I got from Mitchell, like I might not have taken the leap to say, I'm going to put my application in, uh, right. because he was, you know, he was a big, he was, he was an important chef and he was an intimidating guy. And, yeah. I got kind of coached by his previous sous chef, Jeff Sanford, right. on what to what to say in front of him and, and how to get the job. And I got offered the job uh, to be to do uh, the cold side station at Arid Evans. Right. Um, and then over the course of the next few years, uh, worked my way into a uh, into a sous chef position for the for that company. Um, and I mean, Arid Evans. I think most people are aware of, of what that restaurant is. And, yeah. you know, I think they just celebrated their 20th or 21st year so. of, of operation. And they're one of like part of the gold standard of fine dining in central New York. Um, and so, Jason Thomas also owns Papagayo and he's a, you know, a, a great, a great restaurateur and somebody that uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to say, you know, it's, it's a, it's a gold star on my, uh, on my resume. It's something that mm-hmm. I'm proud to say that I was a sous chef there and that I'm, I'm very proud to say that I worked for Brian Shore and, and Jason Thomas as well. So would you say that Aaron Evans was the tipping point in your chef career? So when I was at Aaron Evans, it was, uh, you know, I was finishing up my, uh, bachelor's degree at Syracuse University. And so I guess I had to make some decisions about what I was going to do with my life, or I felt like I had to make decisions that I was about what I was going to do with my life. Not that anybody else feels that when they graduate from college. 
Well, uh, I think that the I think that the way that they would make the menus at Aaron Evans was helpful too. It was like he would make a list, right? And then you guys could all so he would put right. like a piece of paper up on the wall. Brian Shore. Brian Shore uh, would put a piece of paper up on the wall, and everybody had their own Sharpie color, right? Yeah, and everyone had to. Yeah. Everyone had to to um, be involved, participate in in the creation of the menu. It wasn't just driven by the chef; it was driven by everybody. And so I got to be creative with cooking for the you know for the first time uh, when I was there, and I got to really kind of explore you know what I wanted to cook again right. within within parameters. And um, he always took credit for everything that everybody made, but it was like you got to know. That it was on. Right. So he had one dish. Wasn't the duck duck goose yours? Yeah, I mean, there are several dishes yeah. that, that, you know, that I helped create. And, you know, looking back on it, they're all things that have been done a lot oh, of times yeah. by a lot of different Obviously. people. Um, but I, I got to be creative, and uh, we were graduating, or I was graduating, and, you know, I think at that point in time, I really knew that, that being a chef was really what I wanted to do. Um, I I think somewhere deep down, I kind of, that was always what I wanted to be. Like it, it wasn't a hard decision for me to make. Well, and that was sort of where you figure out you were good at it. Um, when we opened Papagayo, uh, Jason had me come uh, and start working for him uh, when they started opening that. And uh, I was their head server and one of the bartenders. Um, and Brandon Rowe, uh, who owns Beer Belly Deli, mm-hmm. and Jay Fabry, uh, who isn't in food anymore, I don't think. Um, they were like the managers. Um, and so we all kind of worked together. Uh, Nikki Ferroni, who was like a musician for a long time. I was a server there, Mike Manning, like a bunch of people. Like I met a bunch of really cool people working there. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, that was sort of, so he became the sous chef in both places for a period of time. Well, really, I was sous chef at Papagayo, but I went back and forth between there and Arid Evans. It was it was yeah. interesting time, but it was very it was very condensed. It was short lived because we had decided to move to Charlotte with some friends of ours. Right, he um, met us, you. You know, uh, and they were going to culinary school down there, and I kind of wanted to. You know, I thought at that point in time, I kind of figured we would move to Charlotte, live there for a couple years, and then we would just like travel around the country. That's what. Every young chef should do, um, in my opinion. It's not what we ended up doing, um, yeah. and I think that that's limited me in some ways um, because I didn't go around and get high end experience all over the country. We went to Charlotte. It was you know two thousand and eight. You know, like we we moved down there, became residents. Like Obama got elected, the stock market crashed. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a banking city. Just. The, the whole town kind of took a tank. I mean, I had a great job. Well, Jen couldn't get a job anywhere. Dan is the kind of person where, like, he decides he's going to do something, and everything just sort of falls in. And it's like, when we first decided we were going to move down there, um, so it was Ellen Cotlers and Adam Duke uh, were our friends that we were moving down there with. Ellen um, owned her own cake business up here for a while, and she did the pastry at Phoebe's when they were in school. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so she made like those crazy cakes, like the ones that like looked like other stuff and whatever. And she was super into that. Um, and her father also worked at SU, so her and Dan had that connection. Um, and so we decided we were going to move down there with them while they went to Johnson and Wales. And uh, Dan started googling like places to work, and he found this place called Blue. Uh, it was in the um, Hearst Tower, uh, and he saw it. And he goes, "That's where I'm going to work." And I was like, "Yeah, probably." 
Like that's how that works. And they had like a list of places. And that was the, at the time it was yeah. the nicest restaurant in Charlotte. Yeah. And then it's no longer there. Right. Um, but it was there for the longest time. Like there was like all these famous people used to come in and eat there when he was there. Like uh, Michael Jordan used to eat there all the time. And like with Rob Schneider and like yeah, Clint Eastwood and, or something. Uh, no, no, not Clint Eastwood. Uh, <laughs> Rick Flair. Oh, Rick Flair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we lived, uh, we lived on there for a while. Uh, I yeah, so I ended up, yeah, I ended up working yeah. at Blue. But anyways, it didn't, it didn't really work out um, down yeah. there. But it was uh, not because of that restaurant. No. It was more just yeah. like a time and a place kind of thing. And then um, we ended up cultural difference. Yeah, ended up coming back. It was really, it was really like a, a timing thing. I mean, the yeah. economy really took a tank, and yeah. it was a banking town. And Jen at the time was trying to pursue a career in graphic design because that's what her education is in, and that right. was like the first thing that got cut from every like business budget. Like I would go budget. to yeah. job interviews, and the place was gone. Like the building wasn't even there anymore. Yeah, just and like it was crazy. Just like, oh, cool. So um, I. I had an opportunity to move back into management. Right. I saw the Sherwood as a place that I could have longevity at or that could get me into. I mean, it's a, if you live in central New York, you know what the Sherwood is yeah. pretty much. Um, so it was a good opportunity for me to move up into a thing. And it obviously was the right decision because, yeah. you know, been eight, yeah. nine years. And, well, and we had to come back up here. Our wedding was up here. So mm-hmm. we were already engaged and we were coming back that summer to get married anyways. So it was just natural to move back at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You, so you've been at the Sherwood for nine years now. Two thousand nine. So you know nine, nine years. Nine years and change on there. Um, the Sherwood, to me, and for those that know it in the Central New York area, um, it's not cuisine that's mind-blowingly and it's totally different from what you would experience. But there is this. Um, you know, everything's perfect on uh, there. The execution on it is always uh, there. You're, you, it's going to be spot on every time that you go there. Um, is that from you as the executive chef there? Is that from the ownership group? Um, do you demand perfection from, from yours that are in the kitchen <laughs> and yourself? You said it that way. Uh, yeah. That. So I, I feel like, um, so no, it's not for me. Uh, it, there's no way that one person can influence a business on that level, mm-hmm. um, unless it's a you know, f- you know, five people or less. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the uh, it's uh, Bill Everhart, the owner's vision, um, combined with the collective effort of the management, and really, it's about you know, uh, Bill has this vision um and then the the management has bought into it you know on a cult-esque level Mm -hmm. and then it's our job to get the the rest of the staff to to then buy into it even more because you know good service doesn't come from the owner's vision good Mm -hmm. service comes from the server that's standing in front of you and their, what their job is, is to execute our vision. And, um, you know, with that, the front of the house management and, and the back of the house management of the Sherwood, I think has done a great job. Yeah. We don't let people leave our restaurant unsatisfied. Everybody um, knows what they're supposed to do and they know where their part ends. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, people don't really overstep 
like uh, the servers, you know, if there's a question, they ask a question. Mm -hmm. They don't just make up an answer just to get the person Down to, you know, how people are instructed to make eye contact with customers as they walk in the door, um, what they say when they answer the phone, what they say to people when they greet a table, you know, Mm -hmm. um, if I walk through the parking lot and I see somebody with bags, I ask them if they need help, you know, and that's up and down, you know, you know, left to right. It's, it's, that's the whole thing. So the whole, like, you know, demanding perfection is like, again, I think that's like one of these cliche, um, ideas where, you know, you can't really demand anything out of people. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, it, it, you, you can, can ask them to do that. It's unrealistic. There's people involved. There's food involved. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody says, you know, this chicken is tough. It might be. Right. We might've cooked it wrong. It might've been raised improperly. Like the, any right. number of things can influence a bad meal. Mm-hmm. But it's um, the handling of that. And like that everyone's trying right. to do their best all the time. And it's right. like, you know, your best might be different than someone else's best, mm-hmm. but as long as everyone's trying and everyone's trying to accommodate to that end goal of people being happy, which I think is like what the server does so well. So Bill's you owned know? it for over 40 years. Yes. And, and you would say, um, if you're a sports fan, you may say it's a system that he's mm-hmm. put into place right. over the years. And if you look at uh, yeah. dynasties like the New York Yankees or like the New England Patriots that right. it doesn't matter who's come into their system, but that people are able to, you know, step into the, the specific role that they need to play. Yeah. Um, they're able to adapt themselves to what the framework is in order to keep that legacy continued to go. Right. Bill's right. We also have a lot of, you know, so that's true. We, and, but we also have a lot of longevity within our, with our staff as well, which I think is also super important. You have people like uh, Martha Ryan, who's been right. a bartender there for 20 years, 20 something years, you know, a bartender, 20 right. something years. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's know. like, if she's not there, you have to explain why. Right, you on, know, her, on her regular like, days. Um, is know. she all right? Like, um, where is she? You have, like, uh, Jen Carter, who's yeah. in operations for 15 years, and now she does the human resources for us. And, yeah, like, that was her you know, first job. Yeah. And she's still No, I don't there. know. She was at, a, like, a dairy farm or something. Oh, like I'm that, sorry. You know? For five minutes when she was 12. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> but then, God. like, and then me, you know, I've, I'm... 33 years old and I've worked for Bill for like 15 years. Yeah. Nobody yeah. in this industry. Right. Nobody in this industry does that. No. No, I left and I came back and whatever, but it's, it's very unusual to see a chef stay in one place for as long as I've been in the place that I've been in. It's very unusual to see people that, that do that, but yeah. it's because it works, mm-hmm. you know? What's um, what's inspired you throughout the years in a culinary sense that you've been uh, with Bill for such a long period of time and he has a framework, but what what has inspired you through the years as um, a chef, as a husband, as a father um, to continue to um, be in an industry where it's not all sunshine and roses like a lot of people want to portray that it is? Well, I think <laughs> I'm thinking about that. <laughs> no, I think <laughs> You know, for me personally, it's I have chosen this as what I'm going to do with my life, mm-hmm. and I want to uh, constantly improve on that. Yeah. And you know, being uh, being a chef, someday I won't be a chef. 
Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, someday I'll be an owner. I'll be a restaurateur. That's what my goal is. There's no. Um, uh, that's pretty black and white for me. But, you know, Bill knows that that's what my goals are, and, and he uh, he's supportive of that. I think mm-hmm. uh, he likes me being there as the chef, uh, but he knows that someday I won't be. Um, that's not going to happen tomorrow. It's, you know, it's something that's going to, it's going to take more time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's about improving and whether that means, um, being more creative or, you know, just making a prime rib better right. or running a tighter food cost or for, you know, for getting a better point, health inspection. Um, I think that for what Chris is actually asking is that it's like the, he works a lot of hours, but it's like, he's kind of this old world person where it's like, you, it's hard to find that level of work ethic mm-hmm. in another human being. So it's like when we met and then we decided we were going to get married and have kids and whatever, um, that was what we signed up for. Mm-hmm. Like we always make the joke that like he could work at Wendy's and he would still work. Yeah. I could be a banker time, and I would know? still work the hours that I work. Anybody a that- hardworking person. So like, I appreciate that in him and that's like who he is. Right. You know, he is a person that will work all the time as long as it makes something better. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's like, I think some people could find that to be a flaw, but I actually find it as one of his like most redeeming qualities is that he's loyal. He works hard. He does things correctly. Um, and he puts everything that he has into everything that he does. So why would I complain that he's at work all the time. Like he's doing. Yeah. Well. So on, on that you know? point, and it's something that I say all the time is that, you know, there's this from an inspiration standpoint, it's just like, I just want to be better all the time. It wouldn't matter what I was doing. You know, right. I, I'm, I constantly want to improve things um, because your mindset. Well, and what's yeah. the point if you're not getting better at it, you know, um, or if you're not going to do something well, why would you do it? Right. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, there's that, but then, the other side of it is that it wouldn't matter what I was doing. If I was a banker, I'd still work crazy hours because yeah, if you're a bank teller, you work Monday through Friday, nine to five. But if you own the bank, you work all the time. Mm-hmm. You never not work. They work more than I do. You know what I mean? Investment bankers, wall street, all that. It is. So that's an immense amount of work. So right. it's not, I don't think it's industry specific. I think that it's more, um, uh, you know, if you're going to do something at a high level, you're going to dedicate your life right. to it. Um, and that's, that's and what I've always signed up been for. that way. So, like, I think that because people all the time are always like, oh, you know, the typical chef wife questions are like, oh, you know, what is, oh, he probably makes such good food when he's at home. <laughs> it's like, well, he's not really at home, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, if we want to see him, like, all of our holidays and stuff are all centered around going to the Sherwood Town. Right. Which is another big, uh, a big, plus for working at right. the Sherwood is that it's very much family oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, they, they can come in anytime they want and yeah. I, and I'm fully supportive of that with my staff as well. If their right. families want to come in and have dinner, we have a, like a discount program for all of our staff. Like you can, you know, sit with them on holidays, you take 10 minutes, you know, spend time with your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spending 10 minutes or 20 minutes with your, uh, with your family on Easter might not seem like a big deal or might seem kind of shitty, right? but you know, that's a big thing for somebody that works 
every single holiday. Right. In a lot of places, that's not cool. I, mean, I worked in retail for a, a long time, and if you told me that I could spend 10 minutes with my family on Easter, I would also consider it a big deal because right. you just – you're not around for that time or right. you know, 11 Black Fridays to right. be away from. And know. people always say, they're like, oh, you know, doesn't that bother your daughter or, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, because that's her life. Like, mm-hmm. that's what we've always done. She understands it's a it. Right. You know, my parents come, his mom and her husband come, you know, sometimes his step-siblings come with us all to dinner. And, like, we've made it this sort of, like, ragtag group. So, like, especially Thanksgiving um, it's whoever doesn't have anywhere to go comes with us to the road. We have like 15 people coming right. and it's nice. And it's, you get to see people and it's like family oriented. So, um, I don't think that, I think it's only weird if you make it weird. Mm-hmm. If it's like you resent the fact that they're there or you can involve yourselves in it and you can show up mm-hmm. on that day. Yeah. And then you spend, you know, you give the Christmas so, presents on the rock. That's Sorry. also, that's also, that doesn't have anything to do with me. No. You know what I mean? That is uh, Jen and her parents and my parents, like, buying into that. Yeah. Right. You know, which is a lot to ask of families. And we have a relatively small family, like, yeah. you know, that, that we're close with. So it's really easy. Mm-hmm. And I can see how that could be a problem for somebody that has a bunch of siblings and a bunch of nieces and nephews right. and all this stuff that... You know, it could, our, it could be hard. Our families are tremendously supportive in, like, our bizarre work schedules. Right. I mean, my parents watch our daughter so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right she gets to be super close <laughs> with that. Literally right. <laughs> <laughs> <At> <laughs> moment, she's like, you get off her couch. Yeah, I mean, that's the same so, the same way that um, yeah. that my wife Kate and I are at, too, where both of our sides of, uh, of our families are both very supportive. And right. it's great to stay in Syracuse where you have that support system yeah. where they can watch each other and our kids are at camp and my mom's going to go pick them up and you know, Kate's mom watches them, you know, as many days a week as, as I can ask them to, but you've created also this, um, the, this relationship food web, if we will, but we talk yeah. about it through people, uh, throughout the Syracuse food community, specifically through the Sherwood group, but also through chefs and other people that are involved in the food right. industry, um, around Syracuse, and you seem you two seem to be kind of at the heart of that, um, or pretty close <laughs> to the heart of it. You know, how do those we relations? Just other people's names. Why is it why is it so important to create, um, and maybe not on a professional level, but on a personal level, through food, um, to create these relationships with everybody, um, whether it's having everybody in for holidays or being able to have somebody to turn to or talk to. Or right. We talked, uh, right. we talked last week about, um, at a professional level, having relationships with other uh, executive chefs or other restaurants that are in your close geographic proximity and be able to say, hey, I'm out of potatoes for the day. You know, can I grab a, you know, a, a, yeah. a thing of potatoes from you right, and right. I'll you know, pay you back in the future? But, you know, what's that mean to be at a, at a heart of a relationship well, it's definitely, it's definitely a thing that's, like, really uh, You spend or, so much time with them anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you may as well, well yeah, be nice and be friends. I mean. It, it's definitely a thing that's, that's happened very organically. Like, all these relationships that we talk about are, are they're not predicated on social media or on, right. or on this, this, you know, these, this idea that it has to happen. It just mm-hmm. does. So. 
for instance, like uh, Bob Etter is the executive chef at the Onondaga Country Club. And he was the executive chef at Eric Evans after Brian Shore left. Um, and I worked underneath Bob. Mm-hmm. And Bob and I talk all the time. Um, you know, every couple of months we shoot each other text messages. He might come to the Sherwood. Unfortunately, I'm not a member of the Onondaga Country Club, so I can't go eat <laughs> in his restaurant. But we stay we stay in touch. But we Bob, haven't seen him in real life in like no, I have. Years, I've seen him. Yeah, oh, I've I seen him because they come out to the Sherwood. Bob yeah. also used to, before I worked at the Sherwood, worked at the Sherwood Inn um, as a sous chef 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Brown is another guy that worked here. You know, we've done events together. We see each other out in public. The relationships that we have are, you know, it's real networking, not right. not social media networks, but mm-hmm. real networking. And it's been able to survive and be expanded through social media. So you can have connections with chefs all over the country, but this, this real world connection with these people, right. it's important because it's, it's, um, you know, they're the only people that you can talk to that really understand maybe what you're going through in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a stressful thing. So to be able to talk to somebody that gets a bad dinner service or understands when somebody doesn't show up for a shift or when people walk out or whatever it is, it's, uh, it's a um, it's a powerful thing, and it creates like long lasting relationships, um, and that's uh, you know that's where all that comes from. Right. Uh, I feel like there's this whole social media thing that feels like it invented that mm-hmm. that 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 this mm-hmm. stuff is happening because um, because of of uh, of Instagram and Facebook and, and the chef's desire to be out there, but really it's just expanding upon it. It's something that's yeah. always existed, you know. I, well, and then through that, there's like this little pocket of like restaurant widows, like, <laughs> as we call it, like chef um, support group. Yeah, like uh, group. like Beth uh, Pearson, who uh, is Brandon Rowe from Beer Valley Deli's girlfriend, well, fiance. Um, we get together for, you know, like New Year's Eve or things like that, or like, um, Don Agate's wife, uh, Marie Gringas. Uh, we like go to each other's baby showers or like bridal showers or whatever. Like there's this like funny network where it's like, we know each other because all of our husbands have worked together or know each other, but we do things together. And then like, we have like Jen Carter is good friends with the Agates mm-hmm. and like, it's just we all end up at each other's houses for birthday parties or whatever, because that's who we know. Like none of the guys can go. So it's like the kids all sort of know each other. Um, but it's nice cause all the husbands are at work. So <laughs> we yeah, kind right. of make this uh, extra relationship. That's like another like sub network. So then we call each other like, Oh, you know, uh, Dan's looking for somebody, you know, this guy applied, he said he worked here. Did he really, you know, and then it's weird, yeah, what's the deal? but, um, so. it's nice. It's like a funny community. That's yeah. like a subset. It seems like an extended family. We yeah. spoke of you know, smaller families, but you know, how, um, you know, much they are involved in your lives and also in the same, um, mental spaces, you know, being involved in what's next for the Hudson family going on. Right. And you have a daughter, so... And this is all just just as a, as a kind of way of clarifying this. Is we're talking about people, and I don't hate to talk about myself in this way, but we're talking about the top, like, half a percent of people that do this. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot yeah. of 
you know, there's a lot of people in this industry that don't figure this part of it out. Yeah. Right. Um, so we're really talking about a, a small group of people, um, you know, whether it's the chance bear, you know, right. reaching out to me about, uh, you know, uh, an, somebody that he's interviewing or, you know, uh, Deanna Germano reaching out to Jen about helping her marketing for, you know, yeah, for a new, okay. yeah, for a new venture. Like mm -hmm. it's a, it's a very, very small group of people when you consider how many people that work in this industry. Yeah. So, and it's specifically in the you know, central New York right. area, yeah. right. a lot of restaurants, but it seems that out of all of the places that are open that you two have been able to bring it you know, to more of that family style with a good uh, core group of people. Right. And we've been doing it, you know, it's, it's funny because we don't see it as anything like extraordinary or different, but we've been, right. we've been working in the Syracuse area for, you know, 15 years doing this mm -hmm. and at high level places the entire time. And, and we're 33 and 33. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. It's been yeah. Now, your life. Right. Putting ourselves out there. And so it's normal to us. It doesn't, it doesn't feel different or weird. Um, and so we know a lot of people and a lot of pe more people know us than we know, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's an interesting thing yeah. to be a part of. And I feel like because we do know so many people when like at the stoop, uh, this woman came up to me and she was like, Oh my gosh, are you Dan Hudson? And I was like, I don't actually know you. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that part of it's been weird because we've been doing it in real life for such a long time that it's like, if I've met someone, I remember them. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was the bartender, so I wasn't drunk. Yeah. So like, I remember people's names from like their credit card slips or whatever. And, um, it's actually really neat, um, how like social media is kind of like tied into that mm -hmm. because there, when we were at, uh, Phoebe's for the longest time, now there's like the, the drama students, uh, there's a lot of them that are famous now mm -hmm. and it's like really cool. Cause like we were already friends with them on Facebook and stuff. And now to see like what they're doing, like one of them is um, directing uh, American Horror Story mm -hmm. and like Riverdale, and it's like really cool. Um, one of my Alexis, wife's favorite Alexis shows. Ostrander. <laughs> um, Riverdale being the forefront of my wife's DVR right but, now. But uh, it's really cool because it's like we knew them when they were like in college, yeah, so but... it's bizarre. Just like uh, how the students came in and out. Um, and like uh, Andy Ridings was on uh, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Mm -hmm. uh, he went here and we used to hang out with him all. So we're like friends on Facebook. Like it's just so weird. Yeah. Because um, you just think of them as me and kids still because like you were all the same age. Um, so that's like really like a cool way that we stayed anymore. in touch with people. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> Family seems to be, you know, a big thing through both of your lives. And if we yeah. can for a second, you have a daughter that's have, uh, seven, seven years old. Yeah, Isla. And do you see in her um, the same things? Because she, you know, maybe the same age where you yes. were when we started the beginning, uh, talking about your culinary origin story, if you will. Yeah. Does she um, jump into the kitchen when you're... Um, oh, yeah. She loves to... And, and learn to cook. Yeah, she, yeah. Likes, she likes to cook. Um, she and, loves the Great British Baking Show. Yeah, she likes all the shows, and, yeah. and she's into it. And it's funny because it's a little bit different because I feel like, like cooking and media and all that yeah. stuff is really 
big now. Big thing. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's whole TV networks and all that. Um, but she she's into it. She always wants to help cook. And, and she's got, you know, her, uh, yeah. her knife and, you know, her cutting board. <laughs> and she helps out. And it's... It's definitely something that I think cooking with your kids gets them to eat yeah. more interesting things and yeah. try different stuff. But she's all about it. She yeah. she likes new food. She likes the fact that we take her to, to good restaurants. We don't try and, you know, it's not just Jen and I. Right. She comes with us. Um, well, and it was funny because so we um, went to Sweet Praxis mm-hmm. and uh, she was picking out cookies and the girl... Uh, that was behind the counter goes, Oh, you know, have you ever had a macaron before? She's like, yeah, I had one one time. And the lady's like, Oh, you know, where did she have macarons? I go, Oh, she had them at Bouchon in California. <laughs> like, oh, I sound like such a douche. <laughs> they like, do oh, have. My seven year old has had cookies at They're Bouchon. Really good macarons. Oh, I hate myself. And I just said it because it was true. Yeah. But it was like, as it was coming out of my mouth, it was like, Oh, you're just so like, ugh. But it's, you know, um, so yeah, that's what, it's what we do. So, you know, we've got a nice kitchen in our house and I likes to cook with us and, and she's, you know, we're, we're growing our seedlings for our garden. She's really into that, but she's also really into playing the piano and she, you know, we try and let her, you know, do her own, her own stuff. So Mm -hmm. if, if she comes this direction, I mean, yeah. Hopefully, ideally for me, she will be into the, the either cooking or the hospitality industry because it'll be a business that she can then someday take over. And, and I know that this is like I'm not there. Right. I don't own a restaurant. And I don't but have, if anybody you know, would be interested in uh, facilitating that, for us, <laughs> yeah. uh, feel free to contact us through this podcast. <laughs> but that's what's on the horizon when you look forward into the next five to ten years for yeah. the family. Right. It's not Hopefully. just saying, "Hey, I'm." Doing very, very well at what I'm doing at the Sherwood and, you know, being able to help continue to have their yeah. legacy, not only through Bill for the last 40 plus years, but going back almost 200 years since the Sherwood's initial uh, inception through different phases that it's been in. But being able to leave that legacy for your kids and to be able right. to bring them through um, that and whether it's, you know, being involved in the, the hospitality industry, being involved in photography and food yeah. that, that you, Jen, have been involved you in, know, too. And it's a really funny thing because, you know, when you when you start out in this career or in, any, in anything that you're doing, you know, you're, you're 20, 21, 22, 23 years old and you don't have a family. It's like, you know, when I was 20 years old, I wanted to be a chef and I also knew that I wasn't going to live in Syracuse and I knew that I was <laughs> never going to get married and I knew that I was never yeah, going to have kids. Exactly. And all that is wrong, and I'm not. I'm not mad about it. Like I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy about the life that I have. But, but you know, you also sign up to work. You know, these crazy, stupid hours, and like to never see a holiday, and to to wake up at you know, which is now way earlier than I'd like to wake up, but still get home late and live this this um, you know this weird life, and then all this other stuff changes. And you're, you know, 30 years old and, and a, a lot of people fall out of, of this industry mm-hmm. yeah. because of that. Cause when you first sign up for it, it's like this whole idea of a family is like this obscure thing that's not going to happen or that you don't want to have happen. But then it does because life happens to you. So, you know, you move down this path and, and it's, it's like, so what's next? And, 
two years ago, I would have never thought that Jen was going to be doing this whole farm to fork thing. I think actually when she first did it, I told her not to do it because mm-hmm. it yeah. was just like a waste of time. Like, oh, you know? so much extra. Yeah. And it's not worth it, you know, and I'm so <laughs> glad that she didn't listen Sorry, to me in that. Um, no, I'm really <laughs> glad that she didn't listen to me in that because yeah. it's turned out to be this really good thing. And, you know, we've done some like, um, uh, photo work for, for the Sherwood yeah. with, uh, you know, food, what do they call it? Uh, food styling, food styling yeah. and stuff for some magazines that yeah. want to put our food in and we've done it at home. And like, maybe that's the future for us. Maybe it's, maybe it's not a restaurant. Maybe right. it's a, you know, I've loathed the idea of a food truck because I just, <laughs> I just don't like the idea of that being me. But the more I think about it, maybe it could be. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what's going to happen in the next five years could be anything. It could be, you know, going around and, and talking about food. It could be, you know, a lot of these things fall, you know, they fall into your lap and you have to decide whether or not to, to grab hold of them when they're there. And, right. and, and that's the thing. Well, and I think they were interesting too, like us as a couple, because we, we didn't really plan on doing things together. We just both like happened to be at the same place at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's like funny because even when we worked here together, um, people didn't know we were dating. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we would be like, okay, I'm going to clock in now. Bye. I'll yell at you through the hot window later, you know? Um, so I think that it's funny cause even when I'm with Mark and we go places, people are like, Oh, are you his wife or his sister? I'm like, no, I just work with him. Mm-hmm. You know, my husband's the shop at the Sherwood and then people are like, Ooh, you know, which is cool, but that's not why I'm doing it. You know, like it's a, we let each other be each other. And yeah. it's like cool if we work together, we work together, but we have a really good way of balancing things that we do together and things we do separately. So, yeah. so it's a balancing act and like yeah. there's the ebb and flow of things. And it's like, it's your turn to be pumped up and then it's my turn to be pumped up. And we have a really good job of, uh, you know, we used to say we would let each other be crazy, but we're not really crazy anymore. So. Yeah, striking that balance between yeah. what you both have going on. And I think in today, realizing that your your future isn't defined. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that you can be flexible, that things are going to change, and that, you know, like I said, you know, a minute ago, it's, I'm, I'm probably not going to be a chef for my whole career. Yeah. Right. Even though I've spent literally all of it working in a kitchen. Like eventually that's, that's not going to be what I do. Cause I have to grow out of it, you know? Um, <clears throat> um, and allowing for your partner or the person that you're with to, to grow into and out of whatever they're going to do. You know, Jen being a photographer is like an accident. almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not something that like was ever part of her plan. I don't think, you know, not really. No, my dad was a photographer when I was a kid, like on the side, and I just thought that that was something people, it's like how he cooked, you know, like he had to eat something. It mm-hmm. was like, oh, we're doing something. You take a picture of it so you remember that it happened. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't really, yeah. we just happened to make it our jobs. Like it wasn't on purpose. It yeah. wasn't like super planned out. It just like, oh, I was good at this. People asked me if they could give me money. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I think that that's like a pretty interesting thing too, is that we started to start to fall into things to uh, see that dichotomy of like where we go together. And I think that like with helping with the the chef and the cook thing, like a lot of people have just assumed that that's going to be Dan. Mm -hmm. And when they find out that it's not, they're like, Oh, well you're going to use up all your, your ideas for when Dan does it. I'm like, no, it's all building. It's all, you know, 
building yeah. relationships and meeting people and doing these things. And it's like, you don't run out of ideas. You know, you just make new ones or you just, you know, you change and you uh, adapt to situations. Yeah. There's um, enough out there for everybody to win yeah. and not one person. And we have that whole, you know, like community over competition thing. And, you know, there's no new ideas. Mm. Everybody's done. Like everything's been done. Um, so it's just finding where you fit and all of it mm-hmm. kind of works out. Well, cool. Well, I want to thank uh, both you, Dan Hudson and uh, <laughs> Jen for being yeah. here today. The, Hudson, the, the Hudsons and giving everybody a deeper look into the mind behind um, what I would maybe consider the first family of food yes. in the Syracuse, yes. New York area. Wow. Maybe a new marketing platform yeah. for uh, the restaurateur portion of the Hudson's coming up next. So uh, thank you again for going through everything that we did. Awesome. Awesome.